0: Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars, Fox Racing, and Alpine Stars MX. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line for, I believe, his third appearance. This is a hat-trick, When, uh, if you have any hockey references. This is his third time on the podcast. Uh, he's ran his own team, he's ran two strokes in... in Outdoor nationals, and uh, he probably has a more interesting Instagram than anybody else out there. Maybe a a close second to maybe a guy like James Hansen, who just posts all kinds of crazy crap all the time with taking on his different challenges. It's Jeff 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 Crutcher. What's up, Rippin' ruts?
1: Howdy, howdy. Did I hear a uh, did I hear Phoenix Handlebars at the beginning?
0: Yes, Phoenix Handlebars. Jason Gerald, a uh, great friend of mine uh, for the last uh, number of months. We chit-chat all the time. Uh, great guy, great people, uh, great handlebars, and just a salty earth guy who just loves the sport of motocross, and uh, and, and he, he actually goes to the trouble of listening to the podcast and giving me feedback, so I always appreciate when people do that, so we decided to do business together. And I'll be running uh, Phoenix Handlebars for the foreseeable future.
1: Dude, that's awesome. I actually had the opportunity to run some of Jason Sandelbars last summer. I was in between um, riding for, I don't know, I had kind of a weird thing happen with Mika. I wasn't very happy with, with them. And I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know what happened, but it just things were not how I wanted them to be. And I, I just kind of... You know. Uh my personal brand was going in a different direction than the you know, what Mika wanted to do and, and um Jason had reached out uh long before that point in time last summer and said, Hey dude, you know, I've got my handlebars, just if 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 I can send you some sets, let me know. And then and then he uh you know, as soon as as soon as I kind of hit the tipping point with Mika, I reached out to Jason and Dude, no questions asked. I mean, he sent me a couple sets of handlebars and nice. You know, for being for being like low price point handlebars of what you would expect like um moose racing bars that have the welded crossbar to be at like the local dealership just for a you know, goofball or a quad rider, you know, in that same price point it's a fucking fantastic handlebar. So I've, that's I was I I shouldn't say that I was surprised because I know that Jason, you know, um spent a lot of time um, procuring the MSR hard parts catalog to have, you know, really quality products. So um, it, I was not surprised whenever I got the handlebars involved with them and found out them to be, you know, on par with, with any brand or household brand um, in, in handlebars. So that's good. I'm, I'm glad that he's, you know, part of your part of your pod. I, I like that. That's a good uh, on brand. That's a very good brand alliance
0: totally agree the two of us speak the exact same language and, and him being a uh, sole proprietor of a very like at this point small business uh, I just feel like the the customer service that you get from Jason is just a cut above because uh, he literally handles every single order himself uh, he's the guy right. boxing things up he's the one handling uh, like the, the the packaging of everything whether like right down to the to the gold flex sticker that he puts on to the the tissue paper that the whole thing is wrapped in um he handles the whole thing uh, of course i i don't know if he's ever going to be able to keep up with that the thing goes crazy big um uh, but that's really important to him and it's important to me so uh yeah we've, we've sort of aligned that way and honestly the two of us just like i just If I got nothing going on, I just dial him up, and we just go through old Fox stories, and uh, he's a moto nerd like me, so uh, it couldn't be uh, a better marriage so far, and uh, looking forward to installing the bars uh, once the temperatures get above zero uh, in the next little while here.
1: Good. I'm glad to hear that, but yeah, circling back, enough about Jason Gerald. Let's talk about me. Yeah,
0: let's do it. (laughs) You ran an Um... amazing team, amazing program. Through arena cross, uh, take us through the like the whole in, from the inception of the team to the operations of it, working alongside uh, the collective experience and, and all that fun stuff, and, and sort of uh, the the tale of the tape, if you would, uh, with the whole basically the winter that was twenty twenty
1: one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we could uh, turn the clocks back a couple months into October of last year, and whenever I came on and we started talking about right. about the team, and then. I think we did a follow up right after the first race. And I mean, not that dude, it's amazing what going racing so much, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights. I mean, we did, um, I say, when I say we, uh, there's two facets, of, facets of that. There's one, we, as the collective of all of the partners in the team and, you know, my my um, investors and, and the sponsors and everyone that helped with the operation. And then we, as in myself, racing and Brandon Yates, my uh, teammate. So Brandon had kind of a squirrely season, um, cut his thumb working on a farm implement uh, like one week before the first race, wasn't able to ride. Right. And then um, he came back for, uh, weekend number two. And then he, uh, competed in five, I think it was five rounds. And then at the, yeah, at the fifth round, um, had a squirrely get off and ended up, uh, uh, tearing his knee up and had to have surgery on it. And Brandon, I mean, he's built like a track star. So, you know, I, like historically, he's been one of those guys that like knee, he's kind of prone towards knee injuries, just, a lot, of, a lot of motorcycle with not a lot of man to hold it up. I mean, he, let me—he's uh, half half horse jockey, half um, track star, because the kid's okay. every bit of six foot tall. But I don't even know if he's, he's pretty slight. 150 pounds, yeah, right? no, he, he's little. Right. Yeah, and like it's—I mean, it, goddamn, can he fucking you know manipulate a motorcycle to do some cool shit? But he. Um, yeah, just had a squirrely get off and a tight left with a, with a double placed in the middle of it. Very, very slick course that night in Lebanon, Missouri. Um, and, and just, yeah. So that put him out of, out of the championship. And then, and then it was me, uh, flying the flag, um, as a, you know, solo rider for the rest of the season. And it was tough, dude, because I mean, as much as I like doing stuff by myself, still like, the loading in and loading out and the drives and, you know, there there's definitely times whenever having a buddy or a companion with you is, it, it just makes it easier. You know, it just passes the time. Um, yeah, there was a few of those drives where it's was like, God damn, dude, I fucking wish Brandon was here, you know, for <laughs> nothing else than just, you know, having, having my guy with me. And also, yeah. you know, like, like full disclosure, I, <clears throat> I you know, hired Brandon as, as being the A rider of the team. Like, every team has an A rider and a B rider. Um, the HRC has Ken Roxon and, and Chase Sexton, and sure, they're both capable of winning races, um, but it's, it, it's known that, you know... Ken yeah, there's a, they're, they're there's a pecking order. There's right. a pecking order and all
0: that stuff, even precisely and the way like Feld Christ works with the, the, the top guys. Like, they're going to... they're Whoever's leading the championship or whoever carries the number one plate is there, sort of, has that pecking order, regardless of the results from the last weekend.
1: I set the team up to do, just have exactly that. And, um, so me being like the B rider, dude, it was like, I was driving the bus from the backseat and, um, it was, it was hard to do. Plus I was doing, um, you know, track segments for television, writer interviews, social media management for the series, uh, plus all of the hats that I had to wear between rider, racer, mechanic, team manager, um, you know, a sponsorship delegate, like just a lot going on. And, and it was extremely stressful. And then I had to go out and race. And like, there was one time the promoter and I were, I mean, we were having a disagreement about something and he came up to me on the starting line uh, whenever I was getting ready to take off for practice. And I was all fucking pissed off at him and we were, yelling at each other, uh, right before the pro riders meeting. And I, it, I, it was so dumb and like, you know, in retrospect, I, both of us shouldn't have been mad and it was over something silly, you know, just a miscommunication, but it was just a lot of pressure, you know, in, in a lot of different directions and, and never would I, I knew going in, I was like, there's, you know, something's got to give, I don't know what it's going to be you know, there's no predicting, but something's got to give and, and And like, really? I mean, imagine the Titanic didn't hit the iceberg. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I kind of felt, you know, like after the season was over is like, whew, you know, <laughs> got away with a lucky one there. I mean, cause I, I held on, you know, through, I had a handful of really good races and then the rest were just by, by my riding capability, mm-hmm. marginal. Um, I missed, uh, two main events throughout the whole season and those were, and that was at the, on the second night of racing at the first round where we had, you know, 30 pro entries and the top 15 all had, um, you know, raced in a supercross or an outdoor national
0: in the last year or would eight weeks later.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, it was, it was tough. And um ended I ended the season with exactly five hundred points, which was good enough for fifth overall. Uh, we combined both two fifty and four fifty classes. Um and I beat out uh my my rival Justin Kelly who is uh he's two years older than I am and he rides for the um DTA um let me try to think of a couple of his sponsors because we're dropping my buddy sponsor DTA who tire. Uh, I know he's running Sunoco fuel. Um, yeah. Our team green Kawasaki. So, uh, and he's uh head to toe in the UFO gear. So Justin and I, um, I mean, it dude, didn't matter every, like every race, he race or main we were one, like we always finished in a couple and, the last race of the series, dude. We go. We were going in, and I had I don't know eleven points overall, and I just skin of my teeth <laughs> by the checkers of the last flag, Brad. I had two points on him. So yeah, Justin ended the series with four ninety eight. I was five hundred. Hicks was the champion again, uh, I believe. Uh, Preston Taylor was second, and. And Isaiah Clark third, Brendan Walter in uh, fourth. Um, so we've got, you know, and then Cheyenne Harmon was a, a handful of the races on his Tyloop Honda. Um, uh Grant Harlan, Kevin Morans, um, John Barry was competitive for a part of the series. Dylan Cloyd popped in, which anytime that kid lines up for a race inside, he's ripping. Uh Travis Sewell, uh Chase Marquier. Um, Blaine Pickens from Georgia came, uh, Matt weekly was at the first round. I mean, like, you know, you start going through the lineup of like some of the guys that we had in the series and my God, dude, it's crazy to put myself in that same, you know, in that same, like, um, you know, space. And then to also do it in just like the lineage of arena cross racers, um, that can say that they ever got a top five you know, whether, whether you say PJ one or we talk Amsoil or now, you know, either Hoosier
0: yeah. or,
1: um, uh, the kicker series, like do the get top five, you start looking around at, you know, who your classmates with. And it's like, Whoa, dude. Wow. That's, that's kind of surprising. So, um, from like a, from a racing standpoint, it, you know, I feel like I did better than what I initially set out to do, you know, I figured I would be top 10 in points, but to be, you know, um, at the front of the midfield was, was a huge accomplishment, not just for me, but, you know, for the team collectively and and, and our partners and everyone that was involved. I mean, everybody was all stoked. And I mean, the best part is, is the, you know, the KPIs that I was able to put together at the end of the series of, of showing what, you know what kind of numbers our team did uh, through the season, and that's without even knowing the uh, Nielsen ratings of our of the TV stuff. So it was, you know, I wish that Mav and Flo would would give us those numbers. And I have asked, and the promoter has asked. I mean, we, I say asked. I mean, we begged for it. And they consider it some type of intellectual property. Or, you know, I don't know what their reasoning for not telling us, but I, I know that that would help me a lot more whenever it came time to negotiate. But I mean, really, all I can do is just put clips together, and it, you know, of every time the ATC and Flipside were were mentioned by uh, Thompson and Beatty on the on the the broadcast, and say, hey, you know, last year it was a bargain rate. Um, first year in and now, you know, I have to charge more just because of, the, of, of what I built last year and going into next year for the arena cross series, the, the goal, like best case scenario, um, I get a, a gigantic sponsor and I'm able to just buy championships. Uh, I don't see that necessarily happening on, on year two. Uh, but I definitely do see having more budget to work with to try to see if I can't um, get a couple of guys that that I know are capable of, of very minimum uh, podium position. So, yeah, I mean, I mean to summarize year one, I mean, that's, dude, I'm thinking about this in like a, 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 like a five-year format here. So like year one, great success. Year two, um, looking forward to being able to, to start getting championships and you know maybe even factory support I've been talking to a couple OEMs and and hopefully I can I can pin something down with you know more um, assistance on a, a from the OEM level and then um, you know start bringing in bigger name sponsors Um and then, and then year three, I'd like to transition. Really, it depends on what Feld is going to do next year for um, Supercross Futures, because mm-hmm. in my eyes, I think that there's there's room there to you know expand on on what I'm starting with and, and transition after Arena Cross is over because I mean, we're done in February, and um, Supercross still goes you know March, April, and then the first week of May. And, and, right. Uh, salt lake city so we have you know um let's see four eight not you know nine weeks figuratively to transition over to um you know supporting guys getting their uh supercross license and like there is there is a void there there's no um you know there's no plug for that vacuum of like a structured system I perhaps rides unlimited is doing the same thing um, I think Geisler may be doing that next year is bringing if Chambers is still riding for him, I'm sure that he'll support him, you know, on Sunday at Supercross futures races until he gets his point. So it, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how teams start to transition towards that, you know, the uh, f- treating futures as if it's the D league. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a curious predicament. And, and like, in my opinion, Dude, it's the professionalization of the sport. I mean, look at uh, any other stick and ball sport or even, you know, car racing. They started racing on Daytona Beach, and then now you have tracks like Bristol Motor Speedway that hold over 100,000 seats. And so, I mean, professional sports go indoors. And in the process, we will have a division of, of motocross and supercross, you know, the same way that, um, you know, all college volleyball is played inside gymnasiums. But, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that there's not beach volleyball still as as an analogy.
0: Right. Totally. Um,
1: motocross is, motocross will do the same exact thing. Motocross will separate and become something else. Um, and I, you know, who knows? you know, what MX sports plan is. I'm sure they have, you know, a five and 10 year plan on how to, you know, position for that. And I'm sure that they're, I hope that they're thinking about that, you know, of understanding, Hey, you know what, maybe, maybe we kind of let go of the grip on um, the professional side of the sport and let Feld the entertainment company, you know, take over, the entertainment aspect of the sport which it which it needs and focus strictly on developing you know developing motocross in a different direction and perhaps embracing the oncoming wave of electric and and like you know just the change that is inevitable in the sport instead of doing what motocross has done for so long and um refuse to change and, and st- listen I, I love the heritage you know richness of our sport but at a certain point dude I mean look at how like um, you know Fox with their uh, recent video with uh, Justin Mulford right there was not a single I mean it's one of the biggest uh, um, dirt bike videos in the last couple years and there was no motocross track in it so obviously it's changing the evolution is happening and it, I, I've said this many times, and this is something I, I live by with my team. And someone that I can't fucking stand told me this, but it's if you dislike change, then you'll hate extinction. And I, I'm hoping that the the industry is, is proceeding forward with that same mindset. And perhaps, Brad, guys our age, you know, the, the next wave of people that will take over the industry, we will be the ones that you know, embrace that, you know, like, uh, Scott Stapp and Creed with Holmes, I hope that we can do that because yeah. it, it, you know, it, 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 we need it. You know, if we want to, if we want to move forward and not turn into, you know, um, bocce ball, then it's, it's going to have to be, you know, just like old men standing around drinking and, and smoking cigars, you know, talking about the good old days. That's what I don't want to see happen. So with all that being said, circling back to, you know, the original question about the arena cross team is, you know, what, was it a success? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for next season. Uh, part of me doesn't want to think about it at all whatsoever, just because of the amount of stress that I undertook. Um, but the other part of me is shit dude. Um, the day after the last race, or a couple of days days because I stayed in Mississippi and went riding. Um, but as soon as I got home, I finished up the year in review packet and started sending that out to my partners and, and some people um, that I feel will be able to uh, guide me and in going into next year. And I can tell you that my year in review packet, um, number one looks like something that uh, would be the feature story in on track off road. And um, has, a, I've got some intellectual property in there that, you know I think that there are a lot of people in the industry that would um, die to get their hands on and frankly pull out your checkbook you know if you want to be part of the program it's I mean it does come with you know a price and like like let let us all be honest here over over what you know a, a a partnership or or a sponsorship is and what you know we all can benefit from the program but at the same time like there are certain things that I just can't, you know, tell people or talk about, you know, of like what my plans are for the team. And in like um, uh, Dave Derringer with MX Culture, um, we had been emailing back and forth about, you know, unrelated stuff. And and then we started talking about this and he's like, dude, you need to start coaching, you know, privateers and, and, and amateur riders on like, you know, um, a, a personality point of of like how to you know take themselves seriously and and how to pitch and understand you know their own value and i'm like dave i agree the problem is if they need someone like me well then they can't afford me (laughs) you know because yeah exactly for free but at the same i can't give away my you know my secrets and my my trade secrets and my ip you know just because i want to see some joe schmo get a deal with a you know, a local landscaping company for a thousand dollars. What am I going to get 10% of that? It's not worth it.
0: Yeah. No, you literally have to take like 50% commission to make it worthwhile for you.
1: Exactly. And so I have to kind of, you know, keep my elbows up to an extent. And, you know, there are guys that I fucking, I want to help so bad, but at the same time, I'm just like, "Mm, I just, I can't afford to, you know, I just can't afford to yet. I'm too small time to, you know, until it's like so obvious that what I'm doing is working, then um, you know, whenever we get to that that bridge, we'll cross it. But for now, it's yeah, kind of kind of guarded, some guarded information.
0: Oh, absolutely! Preach to the choir, man. Like I'm, I'm in the same boat as a lot of those riders. Like, I'm my, one of my Achilles' heels is, is is being able to ask for the sale. Um, and be able to, to present a proper proposal to a, a, a company that would become a a would be sponsor and, and to to tap into some of the uh, uh, the expertise that a guy like you has uh, or or to even implement some of your uh, uh, your ideas and how to do it yeah that probably cost me in excess of fifty percent of uh, of the total asking price of the uh, of the promotional uh, package but um, yeah, it, it's something that uh, I, I think not a lot not enough. Uh, riders have the interest in in actually pursuing i think that it, they'd much rather sit back and and uh like bitch about what they don't have as well as uh kind of like squeeze the living shit out of the things that they do have connections to <laughs> to uh to to make it to make it uh like feasible you know what i mean like i, I think of so many guys who um like they'll, they'll say like, oh, it's, it's impossible to get money out of the sport. It's, it's impossible. This is that. And the other thing. Uh, and then when it come time to, uh, like, like Hey, let's do a podcast. Let's, let, let's get your story out there. Oh man, I got nothing to talk about or, or like they completely ghost me or completely or just like, um, leave me on read. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like talk out both sides <laughs> of your mouth. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but that, that is a, like a, a, an issue within the sport of guys who have no idea how to mark them themselves. And then when you like give them the opportunity to get some sort of publicity, uh, they, they, they sort of leave you holding the bag. So it's, um, like we could talk until we're blue in the face about, uh, the promotion of the sport and, uh, the lack thereof when it comes to sort of your, your mid-level guys. It's, it's so funny you get guys who like the, the guys at the very back, they actually a lot of them some of them have like the a head on their shoulders, like a Bubba Polly, who actually like he, the guy's running a team and, and providing value. And then you got guys who are like barely making main events, who uh, couldn't get them get them get through like a piece of ad copy if you actually if you needed them to. And then you got the guys at the very top who are making so much money they just don't give a fuck. So like it's just this like weird three layered bullshit sandwich of guys that don't promote themselves properly vent over
1: if while while we're on this topic i <laughs> do have a nickel's worth of advice that i'll give out for free that deal to any and and this is not just exclusive to professional riders you know chasing the you know uh supercross or or outdoor nationals or um the triple crown series up there is the the most important thing that an individual can do and this is something that you very, a very key word that you said about Bubba is providing value. Okay, so number one, understand your position. Like it, it is so much better to undersell yourself at first and and then learn your own value. Okay, I mean, if, it's, it, it, if you go to the negotiation table and you offer X, and whoever it is that you're negotiating with says yes immediately, you are undervaluing yourself. Okay, so there's there is a lesson right there. It's not fuck yeah, dude, I got lucky. They're on board. It's ah oh, shit, dude. Like they think I'm worth more than what I think I'm worth. You know, and you have to you have to take that into consideration. But but that's just a um, prologue to this. The most important thing that an individual can do whenever it comes time to uh, negotiate or the best way to start the negotiation process is to ask the potential um, partner, sponsor, investor, what do you need help with? Where are you struggling? What is your issue? And then yeah, you, you find that out pain point. Way- uh, yeah. And then you figure out a way to, for lack of a better term, insert yourself into the equation you provide a custom built solution to their problem you do not build a solution to their problem you build a custom solution to their problem which custom specifically means here's a way that i can help you you need help okay let me give you let me help you solve your problem by one percent or whatever it is and then you have now you are part of their gtm strategy and that's very important and something that anybody can do. It's as simple as being, you know, shooting an email to, all right, let's, uh, um, let's say that Joe Ryder is on Hook It and he gets a deal with um, Twinner. Sure. Okay. What's the, first, what's the first thing you do? You uh, log on to your uh, Twinner website with your Hook It code and you punch in and you order some products, right? That's, that's naturally the first. Yay! you got a deal. All right. We're 50% off. Hell yeah. No. The first thing you do before ordering product is you log on to Instagram and you shoot Twin Arrow message on on IG in the DM and you say, hey, guys, because odds are whoever's running their Instagram is also who's running their support program. It usually kind of goes hand in hand. There are many brands that have, you know, they have a, a, um, a social team, but they will say, hey, dude, no problem. Here's our writer support direct email. Okay, then you just copy and paste the same message, but you just shoot a message. Hey, I appreciate the help, everything, every, you know, every bit helps, you know, here's uh, just a quick plan of what I'm going to do this year. Um, You know, is is there anything that while I'm going and doing this, that I can help you solve your problems? And odds are, they're going to be like, holy shit, this guy's asking how he can help me, not not how I can help him. Well, you know what, dude, you know what, Joe Ryder? I like your, I like your attitude. I like your approach. Let me send you a t-shirt and two sets of air filters. And like, that's the way the world works. You know, you show a little bit of, you know, of, of, of initiative and, and people will notice that a lot faster. You know, I just had this kid send me a message on Instagram the other day. Hey, what kind of sponsorship are you offering? And I responded with, well, what are you offering to earn sponsorship? (laughs) The kid was like, "Uh, well, I'm going to Loretta's in 250 Novice or 250 C. And I said, no shit, you already qualified. Wow, that's amazing, dude. And he's like, well, I'm going to be a heavy hitter. And I'm like, still impressive. You already qualified. You know, it's just like, well, don't tell me that you're going to Loretta's. Like, I understand, you know, people just say that, but like, Say, the goal is to get X place at Loretta's. Don't tell me, oh, I'm going to Loretta's. Because, yeah, well, you know what? You and every other butt licker that's at an area qualifier says, I'm going to Loretta's. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: Trust the process.
1: What am I going to do? Sponsor some fucking 250C rider that, okay, let's say say he does win the championship. You know who's going to be seeing him? All right, are people that are um, just like him. They expect a deal and free product, also. So you're advertising to the worst part of the market. Every person that goes to Loretta's, I mean, not every, but figuratively, every person that goes to Loretta's thinks that they deserve free product, discounted product, or you know, like they want to be on the program or the flowgram. Yeah, and like they're they're at at the same
0: event as uh, Ryder De Francesco. Therefore, hook me up.
1: Precisely. And what do I have to gain by that? Like nine times out of 10, the people that that are my, are like the people that help me the most are people that pay full retail. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're the ones that are so psyched about taking photos of their bikes and, you know, um, like report back with, with good photos and, and tell their friends, oh, you know, Crutcher, he did a really cool job on my stickers and was, you know, pretty quick with his turnaround. And, you know, here's here's his, his email like that's what i want but like and that always goes way further than oh well if you sponsor me i will get you know i'll get all my friends and family to buy your decals and i'm like oh no shit all your friends and family okay cool so you have that kind of influence show me your case study uh what yeah i mean you just told me you're going to get all your friends and family to buy my decals show me your case study where you can exhibit that you've already done exactly that i'll wait and then the conversation goes nowhere so i mean it's like again if you're going to start a dialogue with a brand with a company start it with hi how can i help you like it's as simple as that
0: yeah no it's 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 a it's a uh, uh an idea that's sort of lost on a lot of people but it holds a lot of water it's it, it's uh everybody every brand even the most aspiring brand has Issues or they have like a, 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 a soft spot in the way that they approach the market. Like um say like say like a, a brand like Mercedes Benz. A lot of times, if you're not thinking about them in the context of F1, Mercedes-Benz is by and large blanketed to be more of like a luxury vehicle. Um, they're not fast, they're not performance, they're your grandfather's uh, grandfather's uh, luxury car. That's 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 your grandfather's Mercedes Benz. But if you went to a local rep with that, it was like, "Hey, uh, I'm a young guy. I've got a great following. I do have. I have a, I have a loyal following that people who actually engage with me. I want to buck the stigma around Mercedes Benz. this is like a, a lights out performance brand with fast vehicles that are eye catching and this that and everything. I want to." Reposition Mercedes-Benz in the minds of people who follow me. I'm willing to bet you can probably work with a local dealer to get a uh, to get a vehicle at least for a discount. Yeah, like you could probably if if you shape that properly, you could probably be getting paid from that dealership to properly position their brand in an area that they're not currently hitting. And that's Mercedes-Benz core
1: dealership is that's that's a perfect example and it's it's one that I'm actively pursuing and um you know because every person here's the thing every person that r- races a motocross bike has to get their motocross bike to the track yes um Toyota so they need a, they need a vehicle and then the lowest, I mean the lowest hanging fruit in the in our market is the Ford F150 and so you know it, wouldn't it be kind of um you know doesn't it seem like the the perfect uh brand alliance to you know maybe work with a ford dealer that's that sees that that sees hey if we participate in this on a local level we might be able to sell some trucks sure yeah but um let me tell you who might also be salivating towards that is toyota or uh chevrolet or someone else that doesn't have market dominance that wants to be yeah, you know, a part of that. But, Rather but than someone who's already there,
0: you want to pick on the 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 companies that want to be there. There's more need there. So the
1: hard part, the hard part here, all right, is you can sit around and dream up. Oh, dude, here's all the ways that I'm gonna help. And this is something that that I've had to learn. Here's all the ways that I'm gonna help this brand get into the market and just absolutely crush it. Is like you may be able to put together a sales package or or, or a presentation package of how You know, them participating in your program is just going to, hey, we're going to see, you know, 5X ROI on this. And still, they very likely may just not be interested. Even if you can prove, I am going to sell trucks for you. Yeah. They still could just be like, you know what, dude? Not part of our brand image. Um I just had that happen with uh, with a shoe company the other day, you know, but fucking shout out to New Balance's um, skate shoe, which is called Numeric, because that dude was super cool with me and said, hey, dude, I love your program. I love everything you're about. But straight up, Numeric is a core skateboard shoe company. And I'm and I was like, hey, I told the dude I was like, number one, thank you for responding. I appreciate it very much 100%. number 2 um thank you for um you know staying true to what your brand image is and 3 you know i mean and this i didn't say this but like i was just like i you know you never know you never know maybe the you know maybe a brand like that can see the cross you know the cross market promotion um, paying off and, and like, you have to put the bug in their ear and, and figure it out. But you know, dude, I mean, it's, I've heard, um, I've heard a lot of people lately that their thing is, I mean, obviously, you know, they want success, but the easiest way to find success is to, um, say it is my goal to go out and hear 10 no's. (laughs) And like, the thing is, is if you make it an objective, to get rejected 10 times in a week and, and like you can either fail at failing or you can succeed at failing or you can succeed at success and it's like either to either way that you measure it your odds are if you if you intentionally try to set out to fail not like you know failing to plan is or you know as whatever mm. that saying yeah but like, you. if you if if you go through the motions of trying to intentionally hear no all but it's going to do is make you more polished whenever you do hear the yes and your sword your sword will be very sharp and you'll be ready you know to strike when the iron is hot um the it's i mean it's um it's a great lesson you know and i'll tell you who who could write a book about it is Kevin Moran's. I don't know if you read his, his interview with Anton on swap. Um, but Kevin, like it's a very good insight into Kevin's program and where it's at right now. And, and his Patreon subscriber program and a lot of the cool uh, perks and features that he has for, you know, for crowdsourcing his, his racing. And, um, you know, Kevin just has that, you know, I don't accept no uh, attitude. And he may have to accept no from, you know, 10 people. But in his ideas, like, or in his in his mind, the idea is, say, you know, accepting no from this person and demanding a yes in the future is acceptable. Whereas, you know, just being like, you know, getting a couple no's and be like, you know what, nobody's interested in me. I'm just going to move on and try something else. Like that's unacceptable. And like, you have to take that kind of mindset whenever you're doing any type of negotiation is like understanding, Hey, this may not work out. Well, I'm going to hope my best, you know, a perfect example is earlier last year, you know, I was, I was working on a uh, project with PJ one and like, it was one of my first big, um, how do I say it? It was, it was one of my first big branding consultations and, um, I knocked it out of the park. I can tell you right now, like PJ one is still, you know, it has some of their marketing practices came from my brain. Um, but that doesn't, you know, obviously I'm a Maxima writer now. And like, well, why did that happen? Well, you know, the way that their their um, marketing and sales department wanted to go and the direction that I thought was best for them were very different and, like, it just didn't work out. And I had to accept that no. Am I, am I bummed? Yeah, because, you know, PJ1 is owned by a larger petroleum company, um, Blue Devil Products, which is, you know, a wholly owned subsidiary of um, – uh, fuck! What is it? Star Chemicals, four Star Chemical, which is you know one of the largest chemical manufacturers in uh the northern hemisphere, essentially. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I was, I was like, okay, you know, now we're riding the gravy train with biscuit wheels, but it, it ended up not happening, and that's okay. You know, now, you know, moving forward from my lessons with PJ One, you know, instead of being like, well. I guess this is not a, you know, a, uh, avenue that I'm built for it's well, uh, I'm not taking this as, as a failure, but an opportunity to learn how to make myself better for the next time. Um, and you have to take that same mindset with any, dude, even if you're talking about, you know, 30% off of grips from pro taper, you know, whatever it ends up being like, it's always, you always have to take that mindset of, I'm going to build on this. So I'm going to make it better the next time and figure out you know what it is that the that someone needs, and how do I position myself to help them get that? And like, um, you know, you brought up—I don't remember what household brand name it was that used a uh, Mercedes. Um, you know, in our realm, Fox Racing. Uh, you know, you're friends with Hoover, and, and yep. you know that like Hoover, as as you know, global director of marketing. If I mean Foxes, you know, let us. All remember that Fox cashes a lot of their checks off of Flexfit hats sold at um, Tilly's and uh, Paxson.com. Yep, and at the Buckle, you know, hundred percent. And like the average person that owns a Fox hat also doesn't own a motorcycle, and that's, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> How cool is that? You know, some people like, you know, scoff at that. I think it's the coolest thing that there are people out there that think dirt bikes are so sick that they want to buy. You know, that was like uh, the skateboard craze, you know, in the early 2000s, whenever PacSun was essentially the mall skate shop where you had,
0: you know, independent
1: trucks, uh, T-shirts, split fire hoodies and or uh, spit fire hoodies um, and Etni shoes. You know and I mean? It was just everything was was skate culture. Or X Games culture, really,
0: really, yeah. And now,
1: for for Fox to you know still be in large retailers at you know REI and PacSun and and, and Tilly's and uh, Zoomies and, and those like major you know um, uh, retailers, and yet also still be in core dealerships across you know um, you know North America and, and really all around the globe like it shows that, you know, they have a very complex system. And for, you know, a a guy like Hoove, who, you know, is as much global director of marketing as he is athlete development. Well, it's also his job to bring up, you know, um, the next generation of, you know, brand representatives. And so, you know, people always ask, what is it that you do for Fox? Why, you know, why do you get to be you know what did you i mean in in nicer words, but people essentially say, "Whose dick did you suck to be fox at the show
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know what's really funny is how my how my thing with Fox started was uh a good friend of mine, Josh, is uh the local um fox rep, and i was uh i was um I got a good deal with Fast House and I was like, cool dude i'm going to you know." Wear the cool guy gear, and I thought it was super sick. And then I was buying Fast House for a for a pretty hefty discount online, and I it just kind of hit me one day. Whenever I saw Josh at the uh, at the motocross shop, you know, literally hanging up shift gear, and I was like, dude, you know, there's no Fast House rep here. You know, I mean, like they don't give a shit about the country. They're just taking advantage of me being. most popular guy in kansas city um wearing their gear for and i'm paying them to do it so i was like fuck that if i'm gonna pay for gear i'm gonna buy my buddy's stuff you know so he gets a little bit of the wheel greased so um i think i only ever bought one set of fast house stuff and so it wasn't a total loss and i um yeah, a couple days later, I went back to Freedom Cycles and picked up four sets of shift gear. And then that turned into Josh having a little bit of promotional budget and being able to get me goggles and helmets. And then um, I bought uh, I bought a helmet. Listen to this. I bought a helmet on Motorsport. It was like a 2016 model that was like triple reduced price. And then they, um, UPS lost the helmet. So they overnighted me another helmet and then UPS found the helmet. So I got two helmets out. I got two $600 helmets for 175 bucks. Good deal. But yeah, yeah. You could say, you could say that one was a win.
0: Decent. So
1: then, you know, then there I am. Fox head to toe, you know, just like that. from from buying gear and, you know, buying closeout gear and then, and getting, getting, um, getting goggles and boots for my rep. And then I went to, uh, one of the nationals in, uh, in eighteen, and then Chris Beaker, the uh, the the guy that does Hoove's job now, um, was at the races, and um, he, I pulled off of the track, and he was standing there waiting for me. As whenever I, I pull off the track, the guy, this guy flags me down. He's like, "What's up, dude?" I'm like, "Hey, man." He's all stoked up. I fucking love your gear, dude. It's so sick see somebody wearing the GI Fro stuff, and you know, you're on a two stroke and. You know, I saw you out there battling with uh, Justin Hill because I got seeded into the A group for that weekend. and um, So that's, you know, he was watching Time Qualifying. And, yeah, I was the only guy out there on a two-stroke, and he's all fucking jacked up over it. And He's like, anything you need, dude, you fucking, you know, you let me know. And I was like, thanks, dude. I high-fived him. He turned around and walked away. And I was like, who the fuck was that guy? <laughs> had, dude, because he had his hat pulled down, his sunglasses on, and yeah, he was just wearing. Was it a Laker like, hat?
0: Boxes. You should have known.
1: Yeah, 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 it, precisely. And I was like, mm,
0: mm, "Cool,
1: thanks, dude." You know. And then, like, I rode away, and then um, I was sitting back in the pit, and I was like, "Man, who the fuck was that guy?" And then um, I may get his name wrong, but I think the guy's name was David Dunn. Oh, shit. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure his first name was David. Okay. Anyway, he was one of the gear designers at Shift, and he came up to me and was like, Hey, dude, you know, Beaks said that you're wearing the GI for us uh, stuff. And, you know, and then I realized, Oh my God, that was fucking Beaks, dude. So then, yeah, next week I sent him a message Hey, dude, you know, thanks for the offer, And um, here's a photo of my boots. I'm on, I'm standing on the steel plates. Is there any way you can send me another set? And then and then, you know, then that turned into, um, you know, talking to Hoove while he was doing the same thing in Europe, uh, because I know his little brother, Jordan, and uh, from whenever I lived in Florida. And so, yeah, me and Hoove just hit it off. And then I was like, you know, asking him, hey, you know, if you were my guy, you know, and, and it was great because he was in Europe. And so there was no like it wasn't me just asking him for stuff. I was asking him for advice if you were my guy, how would you want to be approached? And so, you know, he coached, he coached me quite a bit about, you know, interacting with people and just was like, dude, know your, know your position, know your value, you know, don't, um, don't be afraid to ask, but, you know, understand that whenever the answer is no, it's not personal and, you know, just be committed towards the brand that, you know, you're working with. And, and then he called me one day and he's like, dude, guess what? what's going on he's like i'm coming back to the states and i fucking did a cartwheel i was like yes free fox gear for life
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: not really that was not that was not what i really that thought, but, verbatim uh, yes precisely i did a one-handed cartwheel i was in my li- in my uh living room and i took my fly
0: racing shirt off <laughs> just ripped it hulkster style Ah, uh, that's too funny Again, joking, joking. I don't own any fly racing t shirts. But
1: um yeah, it was it was um that was a good deal, you know, and then Hoove came over to the States and then he took over the marketing and you know, the writer development uh system and then now, you know, um I kind of advise Hoove on on the the um pulse of the Midwest over what's going on here and you know that helps them strategize for, you know, um Doing beta market shit and um, you know gear launches and just other stuff that I really shouldn't even be talking about. But um, yeah, it just yeah. So I, I help him with a little bit of advice if he ever needs it, and then um, I become buddies with uh, Jeff Saygood, There, uh, he's like their category director for motocross and. And then I've tested product um, helmets and and goggles and gear and stuff. And so I have to report back to them, which is like, you know, here's, here's what, you know, here's what I think of the gear. And it's like my, it's, it sucks because am I stoked out about the stuff? Yeah, absolutely. But I have to critique it, you know, with great prejudice over, you know, finding every single detail that I don't like about it or, or that I could see someone else not liking about it. And then I have to type it all up and report it back and, you know, hope that that helps them improve the product, you know, and it sucks because really what I want to do is blow them and be like, dude, this is the fucking best product ever made. But you know, they don't ask me to, you know, be their cheerleader. They ask me to critique. So that's what, you know, that's what the deal with Fox is, you know, and then obviously I'm still an athlete. So I'm, I'm still out here racing and, 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 um, you know, having weekends like I did last weekend at bar to bar for the first round at the, uh, Kansas motocross championship series where I ended up sweeping all four motos, which was no easy feat. Kansas has some, I know that Kansas is rather off of the map and we're here in the middle of the country and it's not the heartbeat by any means, but, um, that doesn't mean the pulse isn't strong here. We've got some really talented guys. Um, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, we just have some heavy hitters here in the middle of the States and, and there are a lot of people, you know, that just kind of thumb, thumb their noses at the middle of the country because we're just you know rednecks corn fed with with um a beer in one hand and a a um you know yeah corn stock in the other and so (laughs) i get it but at the same time you know ask any major motocross company where the bulk of their sales are going and it's to zip codes that start with five six and seven and that's the middle the middle states of the country and so um it's uh yeah, I mean, motocross is live and well. I mean, shit, dude, we said we had the um, – there was a race in Kansas City, the Midwest MX uh, Series at Midwest Extreme Park, and there was, um, you know, several hundred entries. and we had over 400 at bar-to-bar with uh, eight pro riders in the pro, in the pro class, which, you know, for a Kansas race is healthy. And then uh, Oklahoma State, just, um, you know, three hours to the south, if that even. Uh, they had their first round uh, of their state series. So – there was a lot of activity, you know, in the same, you know, area. And, uh, so we had over 400 entries. So all was, all was well in the middle States for, for motocross. And then this weekend, um, I'm heading, uh, heading North to Tony Wink's place at Riverside Raceway for AMA district 22 round one of the Iowa moto series at Riverside Raceway. And, um, looking forward to hopefully seeing more success. I don't even know if I'm going to ride the plus classes this weekend actually because I'm so I'm so focused on you know this 250 and 450 program and 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 riding um at pro level speed, you know, after after the arena cross series, I've never come into um the summer with with such, you know, um with such sharp iron. So I want to really just go all the way in, you know, while I can. Again, striking while the iron's hot. And um after doing, you know, thirty-two main events over the winter and then um you know I, I like I fear no gate drop, I fear no first corner, I fear no contact. I mean it's like you know and I've been, you know, on the training program and 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 I'm ready, you know, and I think that all that, you know, adds up after you know and seeing it last weekend um some of the shit that i was doing on the motorcycle was was above what i think i've ever done and you know um i would reference uh rc but instead i'm going to use the uh dusty clat route of you you know i mean dusty took no prisoners whenever he was a champ i mean he you know i mean he with a strike hard strike fast and you know be aggressive feed off of the peg don't care if you know if you're hitting bar stop and You know, I'm just going to pass right now. You know, I mean, it's just, you just kind of have to have that honey badger attitude of right here, right now. And if I go off the track, I don't give a shit. I'm going to strike again. You know, and that's what I had to do this weekend. 450 Moto2 uh, got banged around in the first corner. We had a little bit of a come together. I came out of the first corner in sixth uh, sixth or seventh of eight guys and passed one guy immediately, then uh, another. And then going into the back half of the track, I was in fifth. And in one section I went from fifth to first place and then went off of the track just cause I fucking didn't let off. I didn't care. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it and try to make it happen. Didn't work. Came back onto the track in second and then just went for it again and tried making another pass and made the pass, hit a breaking bump, ended up on the front wheel, squirreled me off to the side of the track. I had to go outside of the berm and drop back down to fourth. And then I had five laps to, um, uh, or essentially we'll call it 11 minutes. To make my way up to first place, which I'm, you know, ended up passing uh, the uh, UPS Kawasaki rider of uh, Braden Bronk on the 175, and and made him made the pass on the last lap. Fuck, dude, it was a gnarly race, and like this is a whole new mindset for me, and I think a lot of it is coming out of that, you know, that like precision um, aggression of arena cross. Mixed with a little bit of that, um, you know, dusty clat, honey badger. I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna do it right now. Attitude, and just... like it's exciting. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I, I don't think that I'm gonna even ride a plus class this week, and I just focus on 250 and 450 and try to make um, try to make waves. You know, as the old man.
0: I like the upping or, the intensity. Actually,
1: not, not just the old man, but as uh, fucking Kyle Thompson continued to call me through the entire arena cross series.
0: The yes. old dog. The old dog. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, d- it sounds like the old dog learned some new tricks, upping the intensity on and off the track, uh, yeah. to to position yourself where you're where you're at right now. That's really cool, man. Uh, I gotta imagine that uh, um, aiding this like uh, like sudden boost of uh, of ability and intensity is maybe uh, thanks to uh, your good friends over at Gimmick Coffee, uh, who actually <laughs> uh, like they, I believe their um, their headquarters is actually in your living room.
1: Uh, n- uh, not in the living room, it's in the office. Okay. My office is, uh, yeah, I have, uh, Ribbon Ruts has a uh, shared space with Gimmick Coffee and. Um, same warehouse. So that's, yep, same warehouse, that's correct. Yeah, we're, we're um, cohabitants. We're running a uh, collective operation here. Um, but yeah, yeah, Gimmick Coffee, the official, uh, actually, you know what? No, I'm not fucking using that anymore because this goofball from Kansas. Uh, started another coffee company and um, had a very friendly conversation with the guy uh, last year. And his thing is cold or, you know, canned cold brew, which, you know, I don't know who, who knows who's brewing the shit and mixing it, but, and bottling. But anyway, yeah, this guy started a company and he's aggressively approaching um, or, or aggressively advertising. And, 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 you know, he's, he definitely has his market of, 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 you know, the type of person that would put a poster of the Monopoly man above their couch. That's his thing and that's okay. not my thing. But he uh, yeah, he ripped off my tagline after I had a nice conversation with him last year and explained, you know, my tagline. And then he fucking stole it from me. So <laughs> now it's no longer the official coffee of hard work, because even though it still is, because this guy, he ripped it off the official coffee of and I'm not even going to say the rest of it, but it's essentially the same thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, Gimmick Coffee. The only gimmicks in the name.
0: Fair enough. Well, uh, hopefully the listeners, uh, get their hands on that if they need a little pick me up. <laughs> um, I know you, you've got a, uh, a, a couple of different, really interesting blends and different flavors and some interesting names as well. Uh, including, I think someone was like, it was like a something death punch from above or something along that line. Oh. <laughs> um, what's, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's, a, what's your go-to? Okay,
1: so, let me let me explain that. So I have um, I have two roasts. I have dark roast and medium roast. Okay. Dark roast is uh, like an uh, okay. So you know one of the funny things about coffee is like whenever you read coffee bags, it always has some you know goofball na- uh explanation of it uh, of like uh, a complex crescendo of of chocolaty Brazil nuts with mm-hmm. a you know sweet aftertone of, of raspberry torte. It's like Well, that's funny because it just tasted like fucking burned corn water in my mouth. So why are you (laughs) telling me this? And so, you know, I'm just like, I'm not going, I'm going to make fun of that. So uh, dark roast is like an underwater explosion at night. And medium roast is like snake lightning
0: in a bag. Snake lightning. I've never tasted snake lightning, but I imagine that it would probably get me going in the morning.
1: If nothing else, I'll knock your dick in
0: the dirt. Fair enough. When like, and that's really what we're after at the end of the day. (laughs) Uh, Jeff Crutcher. At the end
1: of the day, that's what we do here on Big MX Radio.
0: Hell yeah, Um, Jeff Crutcher, Big MX Radio podcast, Phoenix Handlebars, Fox Racing, Alpine Stars MX. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Eighty-eighty-nine point. uh, Actually, wait. 68.1% 68.1% of the time, we ended up on these podcasts with, with uh, some sort of an itinerary or an agenda. And then uh, you always have an amazing ability to commandeering that entire program and, and running off into the night with it. And it turns out to be a, a great podcast. This one's no different. Um, looking forward to randomly connecting with you on the, off the seat of our pants in, in the coming future. Uh, but uh, final thoughts for us as you uh, make off into the night to uh, possibly start another pot of copy so you can uh, um, do all that hard work?
1: I would say um, if uh, if you want a tip, don't plant corn in the winter
0: for okay. starters. Deal.
1: And uh, then as soon as you put that one in your piggy bank, uh, check out the, uh, what was the ATC flip side uh, Instagram, which were my, um, those are my partners for, uh, the arena cross team, which it was arena cross only um, the contracts with both of them. Although, you know, big shout out to around the clock fitness um, in the Memphis area. If you are in Western Tennessee, Northern Mississippi, or Southern Kentucky, please check out around the clock fitness. They do support motocross. Um, and, and then uh, flip side, obviously dual chamber water bottle uh, you know, 20 ounces of insulated beverage on one side, you flip the thing over and uh, you have uh, dry storage for, Snacks on the go, so you can you can gulp and grub, or you can keep a GoPro on the on the dry side, keys, what, you know, whatever storage it is that you want to do to keep uh, safe and secure. Uh, yeah, thanks to ATC and Flipside both for being part of the arena cross team for the first year. They were a major help. Uh, moving forward, now that it's outdoor season, and um, don't say that I'm riding topless; say I'm riding titties out. Uh, we changed the name to. Uh, uh Rip and Ruts Cycle Zone KTM um, so it's RRCZ KTM on Instagram and then uh, Rip and Ruts Cycle Zone Powersports KTM on Facebook and that is the new hub for my racing side of 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 you know my brand um, you know I I had a I had a hell of a title sponsor you know just for the local local stuff and and uh again you know hearing no you hate to hear it but uh we had a great program worked out and then unfortunately the gentleman that i was uh working with um he's going through a divorce and and his uh his lawyer told him that uh personally investing uh, money into a race team right now will not look good in the courts or the mediation rooms so uh or the arbitration uh, process. So yeah, it's, uh, that kind of fell through. Um, my guy was invest or ready to invest a fuck ton of money. And, uh, we were going to do some really, really cool shit. And then it ended up not happening. So naturally, what do I do? I take over my own team and now it's ribbon red cycles on KTM. And it's a, it's a one man team, obviously me, rider, racer, mechanic, um, social media manager, sponsor, handler, et et cetera. And it's everybody from the arena cross team it's a lot of my personal sponsors from before then also um but yeah so and it's just just follow that as I try to take a professionalist approach uh towards local and regional racing and kind of change the face of of how things are done um in, in the midwest region and you know hopefully I can I can raise uh you know, raise the tide and along with it, you know, all boats will float higher of, you know, Kansas, Iowa, and Missouri, the three uh, states that I race in and actively participate in the most and trying to draw attention, you know, uh, within the industry towards the cool shit that we're doing here. You know, I mean, we have a lot of cool, um, a lot of cool just core motocross racing happening here in the middle of the country at some pretty neat facilities and, you know, grassroots motocross is, is really near and dear to me in my heart. And so, I try to make it look as cool as as possible on, you know, on on my uh, channel. So you can find that on RRCZKTM on Instagram it would be the best spot,
0: or RRCZ here in Canada KTM. Correct. Go check them out, uh, follow along. If nothing else, you'll get a unique perspective on a top flight team. And I totally understand that, my friend. Uh, similar thing happened. Uh, people always wonder, like, whatever happened to why Pro Circuit uh, stopped doing a 450 team that was sponsored by Traxxas, was their main sponsor? Well, similar. The guy who owned Traxxas went through a, a, a divorce and uh, didn't have uh, the funds to continue that effort, and, uh, and that's why that uh, okay. whole effort went away. So like, you know what I mean? Everyone's wondering whatever happened to Traxxas, as far as being a Supercross sponsor. Uh, every once in a while, a uh, 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 marriage ends, and uh, the the people who really suffer it's not the children; it's actually the sport of motocross. Uh, I'm I'm sure that's probably one of like 50 companies over the years that that's happened to. Uh, we're literally talking about two examples right here. Jeff Crutcher. Last time here on the Big MX Radio podcast for this afternoon, March 31st, Wednesday, 2021. Uh, yeah, really appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, to chit-chat, uh, pick your brain, and uh, it's, if nothing else, entertaining for nobody other than myself. Yeah,
1: no problem. It's always, always a big pleasure on my end.
0: Right on, man. Well, do not hang up just yet, but for podcasts, we're going to cut it off right there.